Beyond Cataclysm presents, for your listening pleasure, What What Is is Roleplay? Welcome to What Is Roleplay, a podcast from Beyond Cataclysm, exploring the very basics of roleplay, roleplay games, and what it means to be part of this awesome hobby. We are exploring the nuts and bolts of how to play roleplay. Even if you know literally nothing about roleplay games currently, this podcast always aims for a level that assumes no prior knowledge. Before we get started, we're a new podcast, so please, if you could take a moment and rate us as five stars on a podcast app of your choice, that would really help us. I am your host, Chris Lowry, and he, him... I'm an author, an RPG designer, and a doctor, and a few other things. You can find me online as at Author. I know a little bit about roleplay games. And with me, I have Mark Shepard. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's very nice to be here. It's nice to have you here. Um, my name is Mark Shepard. Uh, I sort of use they, them pronouns. I am... Well, I refer to myself, I've been referring to myself recently as Indie TTRPG's Most Horrible Goose in reference to that Untitled Goose game, which people may be familiar with. Um, I am the host of Yes Indeed Pod. I'm a role-playing game editor and designer and general enthusiast for indie tabletop role-playing games specifically. So, yeah, that's sort of me. I don't feel like I have qualified myself quite as much as uh, as perhaps Chris did so <laughs> you definitely are way more qualified than I am <laughs> so we'll see you this is episode three of what is role play goodness um, me we have covered so far the basics which if you haven't listened to episode one and you know nothing about role play probably start with episode one we have covered death and this episode following on from death we have life paths So brilliant. What are life paths? So life paths are... Well, we're struggling. The problem is (laughs) here is a clash between like northern and southern. So it's it's life paths or life paths, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to have to say life paths because that's... uh, Sorry, I'm from the Midlands. So that's what happens. Um, And yes, they are a sort of staple of... 80s and 90s role-playing games which i feel are beginning to re-emerge sort of poke their poke their heads back up back up out of the burrows that they went hiding in um life paths are they still haven't defined it a kind of a (laughs) method of defining a character's background where you just have a bunch of tables and you get some character attributes out of them and things like that and yeah it's super cool. Um, I do love me a life path. So. <laughs> so for our for our total beginners, there like tables are well, they're like a like an Excel spreadsheet pretty much, but they're a, they're something you can roll on or you can pick from that have a whole whole range of of I don't know fields in them. Give us an example of a of a, oh, of a life path table. I I happen to have one such example on the table in front of me, which is from um, the. I, I have no idea when this game was written, but it's from the Bubblegum Crisis Mega Tokyo 2033 role-playing game, which is super, super anime. Uh, and it's based on the fusion system, which, uh, you know, if you have some older listeners who are familiar with old role-playing games, they will probably be shouting at me. But, you know, <laughs> I like fusion. Um, and it, it always has life paths in it. I think that must be one of its kind of defining things. Um, so we have, for example... You see, it says here, start by deciding what your character is like. Basic personality, values, and worldview. You may roll these or choose one. So there's like basic personality. You could choose one of those. Who do you value the most? That's quite nice. It's very anime, that. And then the third one is what do you value the most? And then finally, you've got this, uh, your worldview. And some of these will give you kind of like mechanical perks from the game for the game that you're about to play. Uh, and some of them are just there for flavor. And I just really like a life path because... It kind of lets you build a character up from from nothing uh, into something that kind of feels, hopefully, genre appropriate, (laughs) which can be really helpful. And uh, it's kind of at odds with um, 
sort of what what I don't know. Say for example, story game tradition or PBTA style games will will throw you at, which is more about sort of pick lists and vibes, if you like. Whereas this is a lot more specific. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump in there. I, I do know what's a storyline and what's a PBTA. Uh, sorry, story game. So the story game tradition is kind of. Uh, oh man. <laughs> The thing is, so one of the reasons this goes, one this of the goes reasons, into yeah one of the reasons this podcast is here is because actually the level of assumed knowledge is really high. Um, yeah, yeah, it when is, you're getting yeah. into into even even that when you get into role play, but we don't say that we say when you're getting into TTRPGs like mm, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah 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 so PBTA is powered by the apocalypse, which is a, a particular system. Um, I don't know the other one story. I still story got, games. Story um, games. Tell me so, about that. Okay, so story games is kind of. It's a ah oh man. Trying to define this in like first principles is challenging, but it's it's more like if you if you think of the the biggest pillars of role playing games, like the the big ways of looking at it. So you could have like the old school Renaissance movement, which you may have discussed in the past. Don't know. Yeah, we've mentioned. It. Um. Yeah. OSR and story games are kind of sort of sparked at a similar kind of time and story games are a lot more about telling a story and you know going back to your topic from last week death like for the the one of the quintessential examples really is it you only have a character death when it's appropriate to the story rather than when it's appropriate mechanically and though those kind of things for example or it, it's a lot more about telling a story and about vibing in a world and just getting on with making sure that you have a compelling narrative and that you're building something useful and interesting together rather than you know necessarily following rules to the letter and things like that it's so it it kind of feels to me more like what role play ought to be about um which is kind of a, a probably a bit of a snarky thing to say but you know that's where we are so yeah that's and and PBTA would classically fall into that story games category rather than being separate things. It's kind of an umbrella term which covers a multitude of sins. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what, what you're touching on there is that there is a spectrum all the way from, you know, so the the very roots of a lot of a lot of the role play games out there are, are from kind of miniature war games almost, um, which were uh-huh, yeah. very, very rule specifically rules heavy, almost with no imagination and role play at all you know almost like imagine like chess like if you get the far extreme of that like chess almost has almost no theme whatsoever but then you could you could tell a story about a chess game that has no rules at all like you could just be like yeah and then the queen yeah absolutely you know got actually you know moved into a house with one of the pawns and and refused to see the king anymore or or, or something um yeah so yeah. how does how does a what what is it that you like about life paths? I think the thing I like most about life paths is that kind of sense that somebody who isn't you has gone away and thought about the style of game and the genre and the theme and the tone of the game that they want you to play as, and they've made a ton of prompts and they've tried to build a set or a framework for you to build characters that feel real in the in the world that they're trying to play or they're trying to get you to play which is <laughs> a funky uh, language construct there and that to me means that you can engage really really immediately with a genre that potentially you're quite unfamiliar with um and i think that is really really powerful and it's a fantastic onboarding tool so for people who are new to role-playing games or who are new to that game or who are new to that genre but like really feel like they're going to dig it you you know you've immediately got a way and it could be a randomized way or it could be a way that you choose that builds a character that is going to get on in that world and is going to feel immediate and real and i think like I'm going to try really, really hard not to dunk on Dungeons and Dragons in this because that's just my modus operandi. But <laughs> it sort of feels to me that when you make a character in Dungeons and Dragons, it's not necessarily that those characters are going to be super 
integrated into the world that you're about to throw them into and that they might not have the character tropes and the the character archetypes that are immediately going to get on there because you're coming at it cold you know you're trying to devise a character based on your assumptions about a setting whereas with a life path the assumptions are built in they're kind of completely baked in and i just think that's fascinating <laughs> Yeah, I think I think one of the things that often often happens in in Dungeons and Dragons is that people will build their characters before they get together as a as a group. So the you know the the, the agreed thing is you'll turn up with a character that's already already baked in, um, and that can mean that you've you know you've built a character to be a really specific whatever like warrior that then maybe doesn't fit into your you know monastic village or or, yeah. or something and and in in dungeons and dragons generally we either you know we ignore that or you know as a group maybe you work your way around that but when games know that that's a limitation and kind of yeah. work there in advance i've got a table in front of me which isn't really a life path um but it it does maybe give a bit of a flavor this is from um this is actually from Chris Bissett's Treasures of the Troll King. Um, and what Chris is wonderful at is rumours tables. Um, so we've got D8 things you've heard down the pub. Um, right. <laughs> and, and But what's... So, so for example, um, gas from the sewers does funny things to the light. And what you can see can't be trusted. And, and that's not that's not a life path, but... What it does there is, as you're as you're thinking about your monastic village or or whatever, as you're thinking about the the setting that you're walking into, yeah, it it already does like that tells you that you can't trust what happens in the shadows. Yeah, like it's yeah. in. Would you like to? I don't know. Have you got some favorite favorite lines from? You've got a table in front of you. I you? do. I mean, I don't. I don't love the bubblegum crisis life path. I mean, I quite like them. Uh, the one that I really like is um, is from a, quite an obscure game and from quite an obscure company, but that is also powered by Fusion. As I, as I said, Fusion does this really well. Um, it's from the game Sengoku, which is based on quite a, a specific theatre ex, uh, cinema experience, which is the Chanbara uh, Japanese kind of um, martial arts films from the 60s and 70s pretty specific we, we are um, we're in quite niche territory there you know but beyond the, they they also refer to a very specific historical period which is pre-edo period japan and anybody who knows much about japanese history which i imagine is like not not an enormous amount of people but you know <laughs> it's a few hundred years ago and um it's quite a, it's quite a specific moment in time but it also covers lots of really interesting things like but, but... um uh you know just sort of pre-feudal era, era japan it's very very interesting but you see that's um, but that's a great example of why life a life path can be helpful here because if i'm you've got to, it yeah. if i'm trying to join a pre-edo japanese feudal system i'll be honest i know nothing about you're gonna know anything and, about it yeah and anything i try and draw at straws at actually i'm probably going to find myself landing in oh what's it called uh, cultural appropriation yeah. or like weird like samurai yeah. nonsense that's completely non like just completely inappropriate having, having said that though like you're probably your knowledge of this period comes from the right kind of cinema so provided you can bring those ideas to i mean okay i'm, I'm going to be completely honest i have no idea whether or not sangoku is extremely well re researched I don't know whether the Japanese person actually touched it. So <laughs> whether or not it is culturally appropriative to to kind of play this game, I don't know. But, you know, it is it is to me, it's an extremely good game. It's a very, very detailed, well-researched setting. Um, and it, it feels like you're making characters who are in a real world. And that's really cool. So the Life Path, for example, gives you... Oh, it's a 2D6 Life Path. That's pretty cool. So it gives you... A various various personalities for example so we i mean and i think you can probably think of loads of these kind of 
characters with this personality from different. I, I have a D six. I have a D six. You've got two D six. Well, I've got two D six. I've got one. So I, oh, you I can mean, roll it twice. Our listeners yeah, okay. do know that now because we the whole <laughs> a big chunk of the first <laughs> the first episode was on what a D six is. Um, I'm going to roll a D six twice yeah. to give us a number. I don't know. Let's let's hang on. I can always add in a dice noise in post. I imagine uh, we've got five. I can hear that quite well. And six. So that's eleven. So that gives you uncouth and boorish. And immediately you sort of feel, oh, right. Okay, so I know a little bit about this character. They're really, you know, they're rude to people. They are maybe bad-tempered. They are brash and they think they're better than they are. You know, you've got this idea of of what this person is like already. I can kind of picture them in my head. That's probably not a good start because we've got loads of other things to roll on there. (laughs) And And then the next bit is, well, what do you value most? I mean, again, that's a... 2d6 i should do that twice you want to do it again yeah Um, i have to say there's a thing there's quite a thing online when people play online where they use online dice roller things and i'm like but i don't don't like that so much yeah i'm like i'm like but you can just roll real physical dice um i rolled a 10 there i'm boorish and and you most value power that's quite interesting so yeah immediately you're getting more of a sense of like what this character might be and then but fusion at least i mean not every life path system does this but fusion also usually says select from the following table as well so you can always choose so for example your worldview there's loads of things here which which feel really like evocative for the era so i don't know number three number three is a bad example number four life is fleeting like cherry blossoms i mean that feels very appropriate for the era and the geography and that's kind of you know, immediately you sort of get in this feeling of what this setting is like, but also, and also what your character is like. Yeah, yeah, like as in my my character just is like, well, life's short. I'm not going to obey social niceties. Yeah, yes. So that you know, it all kind of ties in, all kind of makes sense. And I think it's difficult to come up with a character that doesn't make sense using one of these life path systems, especially um, mostly because somebody spent a lot of time trying to make sure that it does work. You know. Immediately, what this is jumping to mind at is that my my beautiful wife does not like roleplay games. She does not like being put on the spot. She does not like having to just imagine out of nothing. And immediately, this is sounding like something that that just holds your hand and helps you through that slightly awkward process. Yeah. Especially if the process is, you know, you don't really... I mean... These things are perfect if you're throwing someone in at the deep end and saying, this is what we're playing tonight. You know nothing about the genre. You know nothing about the game. So, you know, try and make a character. And, like, in a massive ton of role-playing games, that's really annoying and difficult. Like, asking someone to do that in Pathfinder is basically impossible. Asking someone to do that in Dungeons & Dragons is really, really difficult. Because all they've got is a vague idea of what fantasy tropes are. And those might come from, you know, depictions of Dungeons and Dragons in, say, Stranger Things or uh, Critical Role, or they might come from Lord of the Rings, or they might come from Harry Potter. And all of those things give you a very different impression of what fantasy feels like. And if you're not guiding someone through that process of character creation, they're going to feel very, like their character is going to feel a bit weird in the world and they're going to not gel with the game so well. And I think that can be extremely off-putting. Like you said, there's a high level of assumed knowledge in role-playing games. And one of those things is, well, what assumptions are you making about somebody's knowledge of fantasy tropes? What are you assuming people understand about the specific weird genre that you're doing? Like, does everybody know what grim dark fantasy is? No, of course they don't. Like, that's quite a weird and specific thing. And I think it's kind of kinder to your players to give them the tools that they need to build a character quickly and appropriately maybe appropriate is the wrong word but like so that they will feel that they belong in the world that you're creating around them yeah like empowered you know i I think yeah and i think um 
And I think one of the things that's maybe different um, from Dungeons and Dragons, um, and we are not a podcast who is ever going to look down on you for enjoying Dungeons and Dragons, um, because lots of people have lots of fun. Uh, but what we also know is there are people out there playing games with Dungeons and Dragons who are not having as much fun as they could do, because actually one of the plus sides of this this kind of thing is it can help you run something really specific um yeah. something something really thematic you know we could we could i'm trying to think well what we're, we're going to have an actual play at the end and i and i think what we're going to do with the actual play is we're actually going to generate a life path system from scratch maybe somehow <laughs> but, but to i think we're going to do that to make an incredibly weird specific roleplay setting and then help someone to make a character through it to demonstrate that point maybe um <laughs> what are some other um some other systems or settings that you like sure the classic one that everyone thinks of if they know what life paths are is Traveller, and specifically First Edition, Classic Traveller. And, like, people can famously dunk on this a little bit because apparently you can die during character creation in Traveller. So that I think a thing that can happen. <laughs> I, I think there's, I think that, so, so I think there's a thing that you can do in Traveller where if you're not happy with your stats, if you're not happy with how good your character is at something, you can, there's a push your luck mechanic where you yeah. can try and make it better. But the downside of that is in trying, you may push too hard and then die. Yeah, it's kind of a, you know, you basically define your your character's previous life before you started being a space traveller. It's a sci-fi setting for people who aren't familiar with it. In chunks of, I think it's four years, something like that. And they're all like, okay, in this four-year period, you did X. And some of those X's are quite good at building up, say, social standing or wealth, or they might be good at training or physical skills, but they, some of them may also give you the risk of you're going to be injured and have a permanent injury. Or potentially, I think, I don't know, I don't think anyone would ever play this this straight, but there is a potential that your character could die in character creation effectively. So, you know, you just keep adding blocks of life to your character's starting age, and then, you know, you see where you end up and you see how you have advanced in that time. That is kind of the epitome of sort of narrative fluff lending itself to some mechanical benefits or disbenefits in play. And that's that's kind of where it evolved from. Now, I personally think that Classic Traveller's life path system is horrible because <laughs> it's, it's extremely detailed I'm, I'm looking at it now and it's like it's half of this book and it's it's probably too much you know um because because there is because that is obviously that's that's potentially the downside of this isn't it if you're if you're allowing people to pick from some flavor and then the flavor isn't just you know you fell in with some gangs but the flavor is you fell in with the extron space X cowboy gang, gang yeah, and yeah. had the signature tattoo of the Space Tron cowboys glued onto your face and you've lost three of your fingers and like as in suddenly that's taking away your agency, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's probably not that specific, but it is quite specific and I don't know about whether or not that's super fun. I mean part of the problem with Classic Traveller in particular is that the setting was quite generic. So having all of this long life path system then is, is giving you a character that still you still don't know what their place is in the world, I think. And that's kind of not ideal. And it's so it's both a good and bad. Like it's it's obviously it's absolute classic in life path systems, but it also probably is not as focused as it could be. And I don't know, maybe later editions of Traveller do this better. I haven't actually played later editions of Traveller, so I can't comment. Well, but it, this one... It, so, it sounds like okay. all you play is Fusion these days. So. <laughs> I haven't played a Fusion game for a long time, I'll have you know. <laughs> um, and well, is, there a, is there a very modern game that you've encountered that has life paths? So, I mean, um, 
Pathfinder First Edition actually has an optional life path system, and I think some people will have seen this, um, and I'm not going to spend time Googling it now, but it does exist, and there is a way that you can kind of roll up what character class you have, what character race you have, you know, a significant person they met in their in their youth, a significant event, and all of these things give you mechanical advantages or disadvantages and, like, drive flaws and traits and things like that and it's all very it's not actually that detailed but it gives you loads of cool flavor and what it also does and this is this is another secret life path hack um that dms don't want you to know about um <laughs> this really really good for gms to find plot hooks like because they will know something about your your past character and that is to me super super cool <laughs> i really really like that like as a as a sort of forever gm which is a which is a term that you know perhaps your listeners won't have come across <laughs> that's somebody who is always a always a game master and very seldom a player but as a forever gm i am very interested in people providing me with narrative hooks that i can mess their characters up with yeah. and that i can tie them back into the system there is a now infamous um book written by actually i don't i don't even want to name who it's written by but anyway um a now infamous book called play dirty um which is sort of about how as a gm you can kind of make the play experience like um quite gritty for your players shall we say and it's basically a list of if your character tells you anything about their path if your player tells you anything about their character's path then you have to take that and you have to absolutely mess it up and make it horrible which is like okay now you're just training people to make very very boring characters so if you're a gm don't do that <laughs> with life paths use it to make your characters players characters kind of uh spotlight them and make them look cool and do things like that yeah don't play dirty <laughs> I cannot remember who that book is by. Is the other uh, John Wick? <laughs> John Wick. That's it. Yeah. Uh, it, lo- it looks like it looks like it's a. Uh, it looks like something that would be very funny if it was entirely tongue in cheek. It's and not, then, and then is not <laughs> tongue in cheek. That's the, I think no. that's the problem with it. I, I, I mean, I think I think the author has since rescinded quite a lot of it and said, you know, maybe this isn't the best way to play in a modern way, which is kind of a half apology, right? No, it's like if you still don't want to play in a modern way, then. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know you can play by my rules but um yeah there i mean there are various problematic things about that book and about john wick in general but, but you know I, the principle of using your character's past as plot hooks for the future i think is really really good and it's something that good gms will, will separate good gms from bad gms right in a way and yeah and life paths can definitely help with that in both directions so. Yeah, I think um, a, a book that doesn't have life paths, um, but there's something about the specificity of what of what gets added um, in a life path that's very helpful. Um, like Merkborg doesn't doesn't have that. It has it has very simple character creation and and doesn't give you a lot of flavour. But what is interesting is it does actually give you some very specific flavour. Um, I know mm. that Merkborg's a bit too murky for you in terms of your preferences that's true um but like uh i i'll 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 try a different one uh notebook is fine you know no no i'm just that one was a that was not pg12 i'm just i'm just killing my character and creating another one one second um um like uh Okay, so so this is I've just gone on the Merkborg character creator, and it it will just generate a character for you. Um, and one of the things it just has here, just as a sentence, you have never finished telling a story. And see, like that's, that's so cool. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it's and actually, you have very little about your character. Like it's very. I mean, in Merkborg, your character doesn't really matter very much. It's very uh, life is is very cheap in Merkborg, but. Actually, that you've never finished telling a story. Well, that is a hook for, for for you to try and tell stories. It's an opportunity for your GM to stop your stories. You know, something yeah. to happen yeah. every time you try and tell a story. I mean, 
I think that's really cool. And like, it's a, it's a small bit of flavor to add to your character, which, you know, doesn't really, it doesn't cost the designers very much as well. And it's very evocative and will really help somebody to kind of get a hook on what their character looks like and feels like. I think another system that does that really well, like this little segue here, is um, Spire. Spire has does does not really have a life path system, but it does have what you used to do um, before you became a revolutionary. And it's not much, but it's going to make your character seem a whole lot more three-dimensional. And to me... That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, it's, it actually it's totally it's depth, isn't it? It's depth that it's adding. There's a lovely bit in Spire. Um, what's the name of the thing? They all do like an apprenticeship thing. It's endurance. Endurance. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll just say that bit again. Um, one of the things that I'll say it again, like it sounds like I know what I'm talking about now. <laughs> I may just leave this bit in now. <laughs> um, but there's a bit where you do endurance, which is somewhere between sort of military service and an apprenticeship. Um, yes. But, but what I loved about it is not only does it give you that flavour for your character, but it also gives you the idea that there's a there's a very structured society and there's a kind of an expectation that you do endurance and so just in thinking about what was my character's endurance or why didn't they have one you also get, it, it it shapes your mind into understanding the world that your character yeah. is going to yeah, grow up definitely. in definitely and endurance gives you benefits you know it gives you additional but resistances it gives you additional skills and domains and things and just looking at this page of durances, which is like two pages in the book, that's it. And it also has like a massive sidebar entitled slavery, question mark. And like that actually gives you an enormous amount of world law whilst you're reading something trying to define what your character is. And that is neat, you know, <laughs> that's subtle. It does a lot. Um, I mean, Spy does so much with so little. I think that, well... I say so little. I mean, it's exceedingly thick for what it is. Um, <laughs> so it does so much with so much. It does so much. But, uh, but uh, like the character creation part is a very small part of the book. And it does a hell of a lot with that. If you do, don't want to read the rest of the setting Bible for uh, Spire, you don't have to. You just have to read the, the player character bit in creation bit. And like immediately you will know enough about the world to kind of get to grips with it, in my opinion. So... <laughs> I, I agree. Um, Marvellous. Well, I feel like we... we Well, I understand life paths more. Um, I understand that I probably don't want to play Traveller and that you want me to play Fusion, but no one else does. <laughs> I 100% want everybody to at least understand that Fusion is a thing that happened and deserved to go on for longer than it did. <laughs> That's a good thing, and I think I think everyone understands that now. Um, let's move on to an actual play. So, what we have decided to do is we're going to create a really specific, like very kind of niche scene, a, a setting. Um, that, yes. that our players will have a will then create a character in, and we're going to come up with a d6 table um, for when they're creating their characters, just to give that bit of flavour to help guide them. Um, and th this section will have been very heavily edited, so it'll sound <laughs> like we just brilliantly come up with ideas, but oh, actually so we'll spend yeah. we'll spend we so hours. <laughs> like, Hopefully not hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so. What would we like our setting to be? I would really like a random mashup gener uh, genre generator. Genre okay. Generator. Yeah, well, in I, fact, I, I don't know if I have one. Um, I'm just going to type in genre generator onto the insulate. <laughs> you tried it? Oh, yeah, okay. It didn't work. Oh, oh, do you know what I do have, though? Do you know what I do have, Chris? Yeah. On my bookshelf. Yes. I have Chris Lowry. Oh! <laughs> Uh, the die decides that sounds like a, a book that's incredibly well written by a, a well-known author it's written by someone who refers to themselves as an author on twitter that's for sure that's a that's a that's good i've got it 
3D10. Oh yeah, there's a table. Uh, there's a the table. Dida, yeah. the Didasides is a book I wrote exactly, uh, okay. where you, where a load of microfiction was written by rolling a ten-sided dice. Yeah. Um, I reckon is... roll three d ten, and then we'll decide the length of the table based on that as well. Brilliant. Oh, I hope it's not going to be a, a twenty. Um, okay, um, it can't be a twenty because it's a d ten. I, I hope it, I hope it's a d one. I've got loads <laughs> of d tens. Okay, the seventh C. I used to Six. Play. Right, that's a D6 then. We'll do a D6 table. Phew, that's a good one. Okay, six. Six, six, punk. Well, that's good for you. And eight. Eight is technology. It sounded like a cyberpunk setting. There we go. Okay, we, we've got to get a bit more specific than cyberpunk. Okay. Um, how about, how about, um, have you ever played the game Tekken 2? I have briefly played that on PlayStation 1. Yes. Do you know the character Yoshimitsu? No. Okay. Yoshimitsu is like a tree spirit and is uh, embodied in like a wooden puppet. So he's like kind of it's kind of tree punk. <laughs> That's good. Um so we're doing we're doing so we're doing tree punk. We're doing tree punk. Uh and let's be maybe more specific than that. Let's do uh what <laughs> Oh, man, that's a deep dive. Um, I once read this book called Duncton Wood. I can't remember who the author is, but it's like a trilogy or maybe it's a maybe it's a bigger series. Anyway, it's about moles. <laughs> yes. Hang on. So we're playing. No, no, no. Mole punk. Mole punk. OK, so they all live under this beech tree. Uh... <laughs> so this is a this is a stunningly, spectacularly weird book. Uh, and it's all about moles and kind of also about spirituality in a way that just beggars belief. Uh, <laughs> it's not really describable. Um, so something like that. Is it? Is it good? No. Well, <laughs> it's not terrible. I, I mean, it suffers from, I've just seen that you've got Dune on your bookshelf. It suffers from Dune syndrome, which is it doesn't do very much, but it takes a long time to tell it. And I find that extremely irritating because I have very little patience for reading fiction. <laughs> Amazing, um, I, but I'm on board with that. I think mole punk's good. I think mole let's punk. not let's not have it be the official RPG of Duncton Wood. Let's uh, let's keep Please it no. yeah. slightly more generic and just be mole punk. And um, so we're, we're basically looking at moles. What environment are they living in? I'd like to bring them into okay so we are we anthropomorphizing them are they moles with kind of um the ability to use tools and maybe yeah, some yeah. They've and got technology wooden, they've got like wooden mechs that's what i'm thinking okay yeah this is mole cyberpunk mole mechs yes <laughs> this is i want to play this game i want to okay. play this game too <laughs> but we need we need characters to on borders we need we need some kind of system well exactly because it's so specific that our players are like well I, i've got no idea i want to be a dwarf and uh, there are no dwarves in a mole no. saying obviously well, maybe there are I well maybe know. there are um so small dwarf some small moles yeah so i think the first question um for our so i mean you know what we could have a series of tables so maybe are we going full woodland animal would the first d6 table just be you're a mole or a squirrel or a badger or... i'm gonna say yes yes <laughs> this is <laughs> yes and <laughs> um so we've got okay mole squirrel badger i don't know what else well a badger's too big like how do you get how are you gonna you know that's a lot of mech that you've got to make for a badger whilst i'm gonna let you have that i also <laughs> want to point like and i'm saying yeah i'm going to agree maybe badgers are too big what i am not going to fold on okay is that i really want giraffes in this setting <laughs> it's a deal yeah i'm i'm, I'm down with giraffes why not yeah. no badgers okay. that's fine um <laughs> yeah. and then like a that's my x card no badgers <laughs> Um, and uh, an X card is a safety mechanism, which we are covering safety in a in a setting coming very soon. And we have we have both myself and Marks. We had a chat about safety before we started, uh, as you should always do before you play. Um, and we've we've mentioned that in every episode so far. But yes, um, okay. So we've got giraffes, we've got squirrels, moles, and then maybe just three different types of mouse. Oh, we're going a bit mouse ritter with this. Okay, how about we have weasels? Uh, stoats. Stoats are nasty. I love stoats. <laughs> and, um, oh, oh, going back to what I said earlier, geese. Yes. Because who doesn't want to see a goose in a mech? Yep, that is amazing. <laughs> Made or of twigs. 
I think the giraffe is just going to be be a mech. Like I think giraffes. Yeah. Okay. The, the giraffes are the one that just have armor. Um, uh-huh. Like uh, yeah. what well, wood wood armor, but you armor see al- already. Okay, I mean, partly I'm having quite a lot of fun, yeah. <laughs> um, but secondly, what we're dropping our players into now is a really specific setting. Like you can't, you know, and, and actually most, you know, one of the beauties of role play is, is there are no rules. So if someone turns up and says I want to be a badger, obviously you've X carded that, so we're not going to talk about that. Sorry, but if someone turns up and says they want to be a horse, um, and that's an example, by the way, of you know, I accidentally, I know, I know they were joking um, about the X card there, but actually you can make mistakes. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can. and you can say, oh, sorry, okay. made a mistake there. Um, and then just don't talk about it again. Um, but yeah, <laughs> someone can say they want a horse and you can say, no, I just, I, but if you really want to be a horse, fine. But yeah. for most people in this setting now, they're like, oh, okay. It's got yeah. a really I specific I don't know, range of... I don't know whether we need to be more specific about them. So it's... We could we could say instead of it just being a mole, you could say one of a mole from one of the tribes or something like that, you know. And then instantly you've also added in this other setting element, tribes, tribal moles. That's kind yep. of cool. Um, a and, squirrel and- raider, you know, that's instantly making you uh, kind of an outsider. And then um, an unstoppable behemoth of a giraffe. That could be the third one. Yeah, well, so I, I think, but I think maybe what you do is you have both of those things. So I think we have two tables, or we don't have to, yes. but we could have two tables. You know, so you could have a raider giraffe, which I think you'd see them coming. <laughs> but then you can maybe have not an, if you're a mole, because yeah. you know moles famously can't see very well. Um, that's that. That is true. Um, tribal giraffes. I mean, basically, I just want to play a giraffe in this thing. <laughs> tribal goose sounds. Oh, sounds uh, horrifying. <laughs> sounds intense <laughs> with like tattoos, or I, I'm not sure if you'd probably have to have like feather paint or something to uh to yeah yeah um, like a yeah feather dyes. Uh, yes, this is cool. Okay, so I think we've got two tables there, and and we'd flesh them out. And and the thing is, where we're landing here, this is this is now almost well, this is game design <laughs> to some degree. This a game, game that I want to play. Live game design. <laughs> like, that I, that, um, that I want to exist. But but, but actually, the lines between game design and just game play, like, they're artificial lines. And, and in some of those more established games, there's this thing of, well, it's in the book, so this is how it has to be. But the more that you go down the indie RPG sort of... Uh, a mole hole um i was gonna say mole hill I and mean, they have mole hills don't they but mole holes they live in holes. holes they live in tunnels i think mole tunnels chambers and things and chambers well, i read duncan wood but i cannot remember very much of it because it was a haze of randomness um Duncan Woods definitely getting linked to in the bottom of the in the bottom of the show notes because someone someone's oh, going to read it yeah. and then they're going to send you an angry message on Twitter. Um, okay, oh, I think cool. we I think we've probably demonstrated the point, but I would like to try and add one more table because one more table. Let's I've enjoyed it. our setting. Have we got a name for our setting? Okay, how about this? To make it a little bit more, a little bit more fantasy, because it is a wood. How about in the time of mole mex? In the time of mole mex. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna say yes. Why not? Why not? Um. Yes. So, what, what other piece of flavour? What's a, what's a common another table that we would so have in life? A parts? second table that's really common, really, is something that happen to you and like this this does say a lot about the philosophy of game designers i think something that happened to you in your youth or childhood which made such a lasting impression on you that it changed you in some real and tangible and usually mechanical way so so this can be the kind of i don't want to make it a childhood trauma table because i don't like those but but you know what is a formative event in your life well you know what then let's be completely positive let's uh, let's have a table of entirely positive childhood events. Yes. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, so, so okay. So so ooh, um, I'm wh- I'm struggling because I'm so used to negative life. <laughs> <laughs> um. So um. Someone was someone was read a bedtime story every single day. Um. And it it made them it gave them a great imagination or a a great desire to entertain. 
Oh, okay, cool. So that could be something that adds to your entertainment skill. I think this is going to have to be a bigger table, but you know, we'll just give some some yeah. examples. Yeah. So and, there's, be... and there's two ways you could do that. You could say you could say you know it. You know, red, red bedtime stories every night gave them a desire to entertain, increases their entertainment skill. Yeah. Or you could just say they had a bedtime red story read to them every yes. single night for ten Which years. Which is the other way of doing it. Yeah. Which is the kind of if you, I mean, if you wanted to go back to what we were talking about earlier, it's kind of the story games way of doing it. And actually, this is very much kind of what um, PBTA and um, Blades in the Dark style games do, is they give you pick lists and you'll just, you know, you'll choose a couple of things from these lists and that's supposed to say something about your character. And it, it, it kind of does let you lean a little bit more into tropes and genre markers rather than rather than forcing you to write a massive 30 page backstory for your character right and that is i think that's kind of what life paths have sort of become they've become a much more vague and vibes led tool than perhaps what you know people who played in the 80s and 90s were used to which which is cool you know that's a cool thing for it to have transformed into and one of the mechanics i've seen sometimes used as well is is the idea that so there isn't a specific mechanical value to had a bedtime story read to them every day like as in it doesn't make their character better at writing or something but the gm can give them a, a reward for bringing yes. that into the story yeah, 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 so that's absolutely. another thing that's done sometimes yeah that's a very blades in the darky thing you know if your heritage is called into play then you gain an extra experience things like that but also as we said before it's a kind of plot hook for your character i mean i don't know how you would well we don't actually know what stories this game is telling so you know we'll, we'll have to find that out but um when we write it <laughs> which obviously we will <laughs> um let's go with let's i think we're nearly we're nearly done here let's find let's go for two more positive events in childhood yeah. to go on this table yeah okay someone you, your your parents would joined in a hand fasting and the whole village celebrated they were joined in, in a hand fasting this is kind of an old uh i would i want to say pagan but it may not be a proper pagan tradition it's a sort of a tradition where it, it's it's a bit like a marriage but basically people's hands were symbolically bound together to okay. show that they were dedicated to each other it's it's kind of it's it's cool it's a thing but it was a it was a happy moment in their it's a happy moment yeah 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 really in their, happy. In their childhood yeah. um yeah. i would like to add um uh a a favorite uncle um gave them a gift of a toy train that's cool <laughs> plus one to making mechs <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes yeah like, love it yes um yes. Very and there cool. we go. So we've, but but you can see now if you were rolling on that d6 table and you get a, you know, you get a mole who um, is a, a a mole raider, um, who who has has happy childhood memories of a safe family home, you know, you know that you could say that's a happy childhood memory. A teenage mem memory is is actually of that of that village being destroyed or something bad happening or, or, yeah. or you know, we could keep things totally positive and, and things could go in a different direction. But yeah. already you've got your mole raider who's a raider because his village is gone, you know, right. but deep down has this desire for that, that strength and community and just wants mm -hmm. to be loved. Don't mm -hmm. all moles yeah. really. What is a mole, but a miserable pile of love. I don't know. What, what's the Castlevania? <laughs> a, ve a velvety pile of love. A velvety pile of love. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, fantastic. There we go. That was our that was our attempt to actual play. Uh, well, game that design, life design. <laughs> but that's that's fine. I need it's, to lie down in a dark room for a bit now. <laughs> it is still play though, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. I I, I did enjoy that. Yeah. Um, so, thank you very much for being on the show, Marks. Absolutely no problem. It's a delight. Uh, um, is there anything that you would like to... Oh, wait, is there anything else that you wanted to say about Life Paths? And is there anything you would like to plug? Um, 
do I want to say anything else about life paths? I would say if you have never played a system with a life path and you are familiar with Pathfinder, then have a look at their alternative character generation methodology because it is actually pretty cool. And um, I think Jeff Stormer covered this in an early-ish episode of All My Fantasy Children, so you could go away and listen to that. That's what I want to say about life paths. Um, not the Pathfinder is everything, but it is it is something. In terms of plugs, yes, you can hear me on Yes Indeed Pod every other week ish, um, where we interview indie tabletop role playing game designers um, about all sorts of things. We are currently doing a series interviewing people from Latin America, which is a lot of fun because the RPG Latam scene is pretty cool. Oh, it's so hot, isn't it? It's very hot. Um, you can also find my stuff at marksofhighwater.itch.io. I have a few weird games on there. Um, and, oh, I have a zine for sale in Beyond Cataclysm. So, you know, you can, you can maybe buy that there as well. Who knows? Uh, or maybe it'll be all sold out by the time this goes live. So. hopefully it's uh i think this isn't this probably isn't going live for a month so we'll see okay and um you can find me on twitter which is where i am a horrible goose at i am fofos that's i-a-m-p-h-o-p-h-o-s absolutely fantastic um what do i say about me um thanks for listening i've been chris i hope you enjoyed this episode of what is roleplay uh, you can find more about me online as at CM Lowry author um, or at my personal blog at allaboutchris.org um, and a little bit about Beyond Cataclysm. We are an independent micro publisher and distro. We aim to combine heart and excellence in all our projects. We work with passionate people to bring their words to life, share news of other incredible work and support charitable causes in the process. Find us as at Beyond Cataclysm on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and check out beyondcataclysm.co.uk to buy cool stuff. If you enjoyed this podcast, give us five stars somewhere. Thanks for listening.